we're going to continue our sermon series called The Friendship Effect. We're just taking a few weeks to talk about the importance of friendship, how it affects our walk with Jesus, what it looks like making new friends, what it looks like saying goodbye to old friends, and just the effect that they have on our lives. So we're going to talk about from Proverbs 13.20 today. It says, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. (coughs) Excuse me, that's a big mic cough right there, that's serious. I still remember a phone call I got years ago. I was 19 years old, and my buddy, those of us who grew up in church, they used the lingo, my buddy got saved, right? He got saved. And so we had this relationship growing up where we both enjoyed sports, we knew each other since we were young, we were really good friends, our parents actually grew up together, so we were close friends. And I get this call, he said, Joey, I've changed my life. You should start following Jesus. And then it got really weird. He said, we're going to storm the gates of hell together. And there was just this awkward pause on the phone where I was like, this dude has lost his mind. What is he talking? I was like, Steve, is that you? Like, what happened was, all of a sudden, a friend was put in my life that was influencing me to follow Jesus. And it was very odd to me because we had gone to church and this and that, but it was more like our parents required us to show up on Sunday. There hadn't been an authentic heart change. And so to hear my friend talk like, I want to follow Jesus. My life has changed. I want to push back on darkness. I want to live for good. All of a sudden, I had this influence in my life that was like, what's going on? How do I deal with this? How do I roll with this? And I can't remember last time time someone walked up to me and said, let's storm the gates of hell. What are you doing today? Right? So I, I had this influence on me, and a spiritual friendship began, began, and that's what I want to talk about today. Spiritual friendships, starting Christian spiritual friendships that help us walk with Jesus, grow in Jesus, and extend Jesus to a dying and lost world that needs Jesus more than anything. You know, we were 19, we were trying to live holy, and we were, you know, at every service, there was like five services a week, we were at every single one, reading every book, we were doing our best, we were walking with each other, we were encouraging each other, we were speaking grace to one another, and you know, today, by God's grace, we're both pastors in different churches, blessed with different families, but we helped carry each other through those years and helped each other follow Jesus. And those are the kind of relationships I want us to, as a, ch- as a church, to continue to pursue. I want us to pursue relationships that bring us closer to Jesus, to pursue relationships that make us wiser, because there's, this scripture is juxtaposed. I'm using that word, and I don't know why it just popped into my head. I'm sorry. It's not Greek, but it's a big word. If you hang around with wise people, you're going to grow in wisdom. If you hang around with foolish people and you build friendships with them, it's going to do harm to your life. If you spend time with people who love Jesus with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's going to encourage you to love Jesus with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. If you hang around with people who love the world and the things of it, you're going to grow in love in the world and the things of it. And so today I want us to really work to and analyze the friendships in our life and see What friendships does God want me to cultivate? What friendships does he want me to mature? And maybe even what friendships does he want me to say 
goodbye to because it's a detriment to my soul and to my walk with Jesus. And we'll talk about the hope when you always say goodbye to a friendship is that they find Jesus and you build it on solid ground. And I've seen that in my life. So when we always set boundaries, the hope with boundaries is always restoration. It's always restoration. And so we're going to focus on three things today. Friendship has its origin in who God is. Friendship can make you wiser or it can make you more foolish. And friendships that are rooted in Christ will make you more like Christ. Friendships that are rooted in Christ will make you more like Jesus. And so when me and Pastor Dave were talking about a sermon series, the next sermon series, I said, Dave, we got to do a sermon series on friendship. I said, I think it's the most important message that we'll preach this year, short sermon series. He said, wow, that's pretty serious. I said, yeah, because of the people, some of the people and some of the makeup of our church. I know many of you struggle with social anxiety. I know many of you do. I know many of you struggle with making new friends because maybe you had rejection in your life or maybe um, your self-esteem is low or maybe you've been hurt in friendships and you just... Or maybe you are trying to grow in social skills because it really is a skill that you learn to grow in friendship and make new friends and grow in deeper relationships. So I understand that's a struggle for us. I mean, I was talking to Nathan and Brendan just today, and they said, we're talking about, you know how some churches do that time? Like, okay, the next two minutes, everyone's going to say hi to somebody. And then everyone sweats, anxiety attacks, people are just picking up bulletins, trying to find themselves in the corner, right? I said, you can't do that in Boston because everyone will have an anxiety attack and it will be my wife and my mother-in-law at church next week. Because if you're made up of a lot of Boston people, right, it just gives everyone a heart attack. They're like shaking their mom's hand like, nice to meet you. Like people get weirded out. You know what I mean? And so I know a lot of us struggle with that. And so I think a message on friendship is so important because to be in Christ, to worship our God is to be friendly because our God is friendly. And he calls us to make new friendships. He, he causes us to make friendships with people who maybe outside of Christ we don't have much in common with. But when you have Jesus in common, you have everything in common. You build the strongest friendships when Christ is your foundation. This is something that binds us together that can be never broken apart. That Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins, rose again so that all who believe in him would be saved and that we are the family of God and the children of God and we'll worship Jesus for all eternity. We're going to be friends forever. This kind of friendship, spiritual friendship, is the only friendship that lasts forever. So when we think about God, when you think about God, do you think he's friendly? Something very unique about God is that he existed in community before he even created any of us. He existed as father and as son and as spirit, one in essence, yet existed in three persons, who exist in a perfect friendship, giving and receiving, loving and enjoying. That's why we want friendships is because we're made in the image of God. We need friendships. You see, Sometimes we think to be more godly is to be more isolated and strong. And I'm just iron. I'm like concrete. I I never break. Put me in isolation and I'll survive. But the problem is to be more godly is to be more friendly. And to be more isolated is actually many times rooted in sin and selfishness. Many times people hurt us and we can't forgive, so we isolate, right? 
We know how that feels, right? That's very hard, and I want to identify with you. Many times we begin to resent people because we feel like they're not being considerate, and we can grow cold, right? That's it. It's me and Netflix. That's it. I'm done. But that isolation is actually not being more godly. It actually, the more needy you are for friendships, the more godly you are because God made you in his image to need friendships. You know, you need to laugh with people. You need to love people. You need to walk with people. You need to talk with people. We need to enjoy people. We need to talk to people. We need to experience life together in friendships. All that is huge. And when we grow in friendships, when we're less isolated and more in community, we're actually becoming more godly. We're actually becoming more godly because of God's triune nature. And that's why I think it's one of the most important messages that we'll preach this year at Restoration Road because as God continues to grow this church family, he's going to call us all into new friendships, call us to deepen old friendships, and call certain friendships to be centered on Christ. Because God is always giving of himself. God is always giving good things. You know, the gospel can be explained in a way as a facet of it is God saying, do you want to be my friend? The gospel is Jesus extending his arms and God saying, do you want to be my friend? Abraham was called the friend of God. What a wonderful title. Abraham was known as a friend of of God. This is a powerful thing to know the God of the universe, the author of love, the creator of all things, the almighty extends friendship and fellowship to me and you. That's an amazing thing that we can walk in friendship with God and we can extend that friendship to others. So I want to start it there. When we're calling ourselves and looking to be friendlier and make new friends, we're really calling ourselves to be more godly. Because you become like who you spend time with. You spend time with Jesus, you'll become like Jesus. You spend time in prayer in the presence of God, you will become more like God. You'll be more loving, you'll be more gentle, you'll be more kind, you'll be even um, extend more goodness to people, you'll be more self-controlled. All those, they call those fruits of the Spirit because when you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the fruit of fellowship with the Holy Spirit is that you become like God. He's making you more holy and he's making you more loving because we all know that we become like those we spend time with. You ever have that friend, like you don't want to even pick up on the way they talk, but you spend like three weeks of them, with them and you're like, what you got, dog? Like, you can't stop yourself. Like, why am I talking like this? Because we become like the people we spend time with. That's just the rule of of the way God made things. That's why it's so important who we choose, like the scripture says, which is the second point. If you want to grow in wisdom, if you want to become more like Jesus, you've got to spend time with people who are growing in wisdom and becoming more like Jesus. And if we spend time with the foolish and we become companions of fools, it will suffer our life much harm. You know, I, I, I just felt led to share the story. Some of you have heard this before, but <clears throat> the influence of my friend, he was a big part of it, really calling me to follow Jesus is that when I was 19 years old, I, I gave my life to Jesus Halloween night. I didn't know it was Reformation Day. I was just like at a youth group service. They gave an altar call, and I said, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender my life to you. This world has nothing. I want you there's got to be more to life than this. And Jesus changed my heart. But what happened was I had a great group of worldly friends. They really were the best worldly friends you could have. We partied nonstop. 
These were good parties. That was really Boston. Even I heard my accent on that one. Like, they were, when it comes to the world and people who aren't following Jesus, you couldn't have had better friends. You couldn't have had better friends. But what happened is my life trajectory changed, and there stayed the same. And I started to realize I'm not going to be able to follow Jesus and stay connected to this community because I'm not strong enough and because I would just fall right back into the things that Jesus has called me out of. And I made one of the toughest decisions of my life. I wept. I can't tell you how many times I cried. I loved these, these friends so much. They were great friends. But I said, I can't do this because Jesus has called me to follow him. And you're going in a total opposite direction. And maybe some of us, God's calling us to do that in that season of life. And we'll get that a little bit later in the sermon. Because I'm telling you, all the best intentions, all the hope, we become like who we spend time with. And before you know it, you say, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'll be a good example. By the end of the thing, they got you on a cake stand. You're walking out, hitting the ice luge. And you're like, what happened to me? What happened is you cannot resist the culture that you're part of. You become like it. That's why it's so important to be equally yoked in friendship and that when we are with those who don't believe, it's always in an evangelistic manner and we're trying to call them to Christ. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the future. But today I want to focus on friendships that make us wiser. Okay? There's three things that bind friendships together. There's three things that bind friendships together. Carnality, worldliness, and what we're going to call a spiritual friendship, Jesus. Some friendships are built on carnality, that we indulge ourselves in sinful pleasures, and that's the center. And this could be something with substance abuse. Some relationships are built on substance abuse. Right? That's a carnal relationship that's a binder when we get together we're going to abuse drugs or we're going to drink in excess right the bible would call that reverie reverie so there's nothing wrong with drinking in moderation right wine is a gift from god alcohol is a gift from god if it can be enjoyed some of you should never have another drink again because you have an issue with it and the holy spirit has told you you should never drink again so i want to get two categories in there some people you should never drink again some people, you're called to drink in moderation, but maybe your friends are bringing you to the point where you know that it's grieving the Holy Spirit with the way you're drinking and the way you're using different substances. And so carnal relationships are built on let's get together and let's do stuff in excess, okay? It makes a good thing the ultimate thing. This could be violence too. I remember there was a group in high school, my goodness, they were the most violent people I ever met. We called them the WWE Every brother was 6'3", 265, he'd roll the party, and they just always beat someone up. So you just made friends with them. You said, how you doing, dog? You doing all right. You move on. Made sure they were your friend, because if not, I've seen them throw someone in the pool. You know what I mean? The whole thing was built with violence. If they didn't have a fight, it wasn't like part of who they were. You could have relationships built on gossip. Like, I got to meet it up. It's Wednesday. I got to meet that person I talked about everyone with. Just get carnal, right? You heard what they did? Can't believe it. I would never do that. Because I'm awesome. Right? So it built on gossip. So we can keep going on carnal things. Some, 
Some relationships are built on gluttony, right? Just excessive food eating. You know, we don't talk about this much, but it's a real big problem for a lot of people is excess in food. It it makes us feel miserable. The Bible calls it gluttony. Now, once again, food should be enjoyed, but if it's mastering our life, then it can become sinful, right? It makes us depressed, anxious, and some of us just, you know, God might be calling us to say, listen, I got to put a hold on that person that I just meet every week and eat 972 Twinkies with. I don't know where the Twinkies came from. That wasn't in the message. But I'm saying a lot of relationships are built on carnality. They're built on excess, and they seem like strong friendships, but if you take the carnality out of it, you might not have much left, and and they're temporary because they're not God-glorifying. So I want to ask you this question. Are some of you trying to walk in sobriety? Then you cannot walk with those who love and are slaves to the bottle and the needle. Are some of you trying to walk in sexual holiness? Then you can't walk with those who have not made a covenant with their eyes and with their bodies to be sexually holy because you will fall into sexual sin. Are some of you trying to walk in gentleness? You know God's trying to make you a gentler person. Then you can't walk with the violent. You can't walk with the overly aggressive. And are some of you trying to grow in your eating habits? Then you can't walk with those who love gluttony. You can't do it. If you want to be gentle, you've got to walk with the gentle. If you want to be sober, you've got to walk with the sober. If you want to be loving, you've got to walk with the loving. If you want to be kind, you've got to walk with the kind. And I know the Holy Spirit has put that desire in all of you. But a carnal relationship will bring harm to your life. The second one is a worldly relationship. We know this, the worldly relationship is using people. I get into a friendship with someone because they're of some use to me. We can do this without knowing, right? It's that kid at school that had the best toy in the biggest house and everyone was a friend with him, because, uh, him or her, because they had that toy. No one really liked them, but it said, man, that toy's awesome. I'm gonna make friends with them, Right? Oh, man, that house is so big, man. We can go play in that backyard. Let's be their friend. That's a worldly relationship. I'm in a friendship with you because I can use you for my benefit. That's not a true friendship. That's built on worldliness. I'm trying to use you to gain things in this world, whether it's possessions or material things or at the job. Let me make a friend with you so I can get up the ladder at my job. Those are not godly relationships in their temporary. We cannot use people. You see this a lot of time in romantic relationships. Someone will use someone for a season because there's no one else and they'll use them as a filler. And then when someone else comes along, they say, okay, I used you for what I need to use you for. Now I'm going to go with this person. How filthy. How filthy and ungodly a friendship built on such sandy ground. Let that not be said of us that we use people because we follow Christ. That we love people for who they are and we love people because Jesus loves us. And that's what we build friendships on we don't build friendships to get financial gain so some of you i want to ask you do you need to distance yourself from people who just love material things like just want to post a yacht on instagram like see what i did with the diamonds on the side you'll get wrapped up on it you'll be like they got a fence i need a fence 
They got a granite countertop. I'm going to use them to get a granite countertop. Oh, man, you see the, man, you tell them from Lynn, but the rims on that car. I need some of them. Right? Before you know it, you get caught up in a culture where everyone's trying to one-up each other. And I, I got a better house. I got a bigger addition. I got a better kitchen. My toilet's better. My car's better. And before you know it, everyone's just trying to beat and use each other. And everyone's miserable. Because we don't build friendships on worldliness and material things so we can use people to get earthly gain. See, the real reward in this third way of friendship is to have a spiritual friendship that rooted in Christ because the friendship becomes its reward in itself. That I just can be your friend is the treasure. That we can just listen to each other and love each other because houses they burn down, because sin it will pass away and Jesus will judge it. All that stuff is passing away, but Jesus isn't. And all those who put their faith in him will last eternally and enjoy his presence forever. There's nothing better and nothing stronger than to have a friend that loves you just because they love you. You know, I heard a, a pastor that I really enjoy. <clears throat> Everyone always asks him, you know, why do you love your wife? And he finally said, I love her because I love her. I'm not going to say, and I've shared this with you, I'm not saying I love her, and this is a dull crowd, I'm not going to say I love her because of her body, because of what? 75, your body ain't looking the same. If you're loving your wife because of her body, she's going to be very insecure at 82. So you still love me? I'm working through it. I don't know how you roll with that, right? If you love her because of the job she has, man, I just love how driven you are and the job you have. And I love you because of that. You get fired. You get laid off. What happens? Just retired? You don't love your wife anymore? We can't build on the... He says, I love her because I love her. And that's an important reason to love people. We don't love them because of what they do for us. We don't love them because of their bodies or their jobs. We love them because God has made us as an image. And to be made in the image of God, be godly, is to extend love to others. And that's where real life is. If you can live a loving life and love people and be a good friend, I'm telling you, you've overcome the evil one. That's the quiet life. No one's liking it or knowing about it. And they might not remember you, but God sees. And it changes people's life when you're a wonderful friend to them. Sometimes people are just looking for friends. How many people are so insecure and they might be socially awkward and they're trying to fit in? And what, if you really heard what they were saying, uh, between all the babbling and the awkwardness, would you be my friend? I'm awkward. I dress funny. I talk too much, but would you be my friend? I've been rejected my whole life, and I'm coming to the house of God, and you put your faith in Christ, and I heard Jesus loves everyone. Will you do the same? That's real spiritual friendship. That's what people are hungry for. That's what we're hungry for. You can take our homes. You can take our cars. You can take our jobs, but if we have Christ-centered friends, you have everything because you've got Jesus and you've got friendship. You see, even God, when he looked at Adam, Adam had God, and he was walking with God, but he said, it's not good for man to be alone. And he made a companion equal to him, so he had a friend. And no sin was in the world, anything. We're made to need friendships. See, friendships help you make it through the tough times. Does everyone agree life is tremendously hard? It's just hard. I don't care if you're having a good life, a bad life, a good season, bad. Life is just hard on the good days. What a strength it is when a friend says you can make it through. What a strength it is when you say, man, I've fallen short of the glory of God. Again, I've sinned. 
I've done something I know I shouldn't do. And a friend looks at you and says, there's grace in Jesus Christ. You're forgiven. Doesn't that help you make it? When you're feeling, I'm inadequate again. I'm inadequate. How can God love me? How can I still be in his kingdom? And someone says, you are adequate because of the work of Jesus Christ and God loves you more than you can even imagine. That puts winds in your sail, right? That helps you have energy. And this is the third point. Friendships that are rooted in Christ make us more like Christ. They begin in Christ, they continue in Christ, and they're perfected in Christ. Really, a spiritual friendship, this is from a book called Spiritual Friendship that my friend Nathan gave me to read. It's some abbot from the 12th century. It's really deep reading, but once you get past all the stuff you can't pronounce, it's pretty good. But unlike carnal friendships and worldly friendships, a spiritual friendship never ends it and makes you more like Jesus. And what we're doing when we're walking in spiritual friendship is we're extending the fellowship of Christ to one another. We're extending the love of Christ to each other. Do you know many times we just need to have a word that is saturated with the presence of Christ spoken into our life from a friend. There's some famous person, I can't remember, he said, one word of encouragement from a friend, I can go two months on that one word of encouragement. Right? It's hard to find encouragement out there. I find all the negative stuff just walking through criticism negative. You, <laughs> encouragement's like, what's that? You just want to hold it, right? You said something that brought light. A friend can do that. A friend is powerful because a a friend can speak life. We can speak life to each other. This is what is said about a spiritual friendship, the book that I thought was so powerful. In a spiritual friendship, in a Christian friendship, you invite a third friend into the friendship, and that is the presence of Christ. That's Jesus. So when you're really operating in spiritual friendship, your conversation, there's moments when you feel the presence of Christ and you know God is pleased with your conversation. There are moments in a spiritual friendship when one is down and the other one speaks the gospel to, um, to the friend and you feel that person lifted up where you actually know that Jesus is present in your midst. Like when two or more are gathered, when two or more friends are there and centered on the gospel. Have you guys experienced that? You say, wow, there's just us two or us three but I can feel the presence of Christ, even the way we're talking, the way we're encouraging, the way we're praying, the way we're seeking God, the way we're leading, the questions we're asking. You actually feel Jesus in your midst. Because we all know the opposite. When you're in a conversation, it just feels filthy, right? You're like, this is going bad. Like, I thought this started good. How am I here? You suck. And you walk away. Right? We all know conversations. I shouldn't have said suck from the pulpit. I'm sorry. God's still working through it. One of my friends after speaks some encouragement to me because I keep making that mistake. But we know when conversation is just feels filthy, right? You know when conversations are holy and you can feel the presence of Christ there. That's a spiritual friendship. So I want to give you two things to cultivate uh, a spiritual friendship because it helps you walk and you feel the presence of Jesus for your walk on the journey. This is what happens when we grow in spiritual friendships. We become more like Jesus, we grow in Jesus, and we offer Jesus to a lost and dying world. So the first one, who do you need to seek out to establish a spiritual friendship with to grow in an area that the Holy Spirit is calling you to grow in? Who do you need to pursue to establish a new friendship 
to grow in an area that God is calling you to grow in. Okay, let me give you an example. Are you a violent person? Are you violent? Who's a gentle person that you've seen the gentleness in their life that you need to seek them out and start a friendship with that's rooted in Christ? Because friends shape who we are. If you really want to change, get the right friends around you. If you struggle with gossip, who do you need to seek out who will not speak an ill word of anybody? Start a friendship with them. Those people are awesome. They get you uncomfortable all the time. You're like, you heard about them? They're like, did you see my lawn? And you start to realize, like, this person isn't giving in to the gossip. I won't want any part of it. It's wonderful to be around these people because they're so much happier. It's so much happier. People who walk in these fruits of the Spirit, they're just happier people. Like we talked about last week, they mind their own affairs and they live a quiet life. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. If you are a cheap person, it's just like, I can't stop being cheap. I know I am. My wife keeps calling me cheap. I say it's frugal. You know the whole argument. You need to seek someone out who is a generous person, who is a giver. And say, how do you do this? Why do you do this? How do you live your I need to learn. Why? And before you know it, you'll start being generous. That culture will change you. If you're someone who has not had a gospel conversation with someone in weeks, maybe months, even a year, you never shared Jesus with someone, seek out someone who's an evangelist, right? Like Mark. Mark's an evangelist. I'll tell you, I go to the gym. He's a manager down at MG Fitness. Every time I see him, he's like, I just talked to 22 people about Jesus. You want to hear about it? You know? You seek out people who are being evangelists. You know, say, listen, I know i got to grow in this area. i got to be around people who live in, like, local missionaries. How do I grow in that? I just want to reiterate this to you. When you walk with the wise, you become wise. And that can be said for all this. When you walk with the generous, you become generous. When you walk with missionaries, you'll become like a missionary. And you walk with the kind, you'll become kind. Who is God calling you to seek out to establish a new friendship that will help cultivate what the Holy Spirit is already doing in your life? Secondly, and this is something I've been not concerned, something I want to lead us to greener pastures with as one of the pastors here. Our conversations sometimes, I hear them all around here, they're not healthy. Okay, as a family, I need to tell us, they're not healthy. Okay? Political season was a nightmare around here. I was like, oh my goodness, the church might end on November 6th. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to step back. I don't know what's going to happen. Right? And none of the conversations, in my opinion, were helpful because no one changed any of their opinion. Right? See, our goal is to learn to have conversations that are healthy and that are God-glorifying and that are rooted in spiritual friendship. Right? And so we, I want us to really, and I'm asking you to really think about the conversations we're having here, having in our small groups, having with each other, because it's important that our conversations, you can feel the presence of Christ there, because it actually deters people, because people do not want to be around. When they come to church, when they're seeking God, you don't want to be around more people who are arguing. Do you guys hear that? When you are looking for God, you're looking for peace. You're not looking for more confrontational people. You're looking for people who know how to have mature conversations. So I, I want to give you three things that will help our conversations in this church. Three things. 
And it's, you don't start with controversial things. I'll say that right off the bat. Hey, what's your name? What do you think about the wall? Like, that's not how you start a conversation, right? What do you think about the wall? Red, blue, let's do this right now. I'm saying, so it feels like that sometimes around here. I'm walking around like, what's going on? They're going to fight? I don't even know what's going on around here. We need to shift it a little bit, and we need to think about our conversations, right? I want you to have your political views. I want you to seek God about them, but we all don't have to become the same political view to follow and love Jesus, amen? Right? But we can respect one another, not only politically, but different ways we raise our kids, different views on different things. See, God calls an eclectic group together to be centered on Jesus where we can look past maybe different um, views on things and love each other and love others. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in the church, right? And so this is one question I want to encourage you. And it's going to seem awkward. So I, Dave just left, and I'm going to use him as an example. Was probably He would get embarrassed anyway, so probably God's sovereign. So Dave's been helping me at the in-law doing some framing. And so what, what I've been trying to grow in is having some more healthy spiritual conversations. Like, it's okay to talk about the weather and sports and this and that, but you really want to have some deep conversations that give life. So these three questions, I'll get into the story. Let me just say the three questions, and I'll dive into the story. How are you doing soul-wise? Do you know a lot of people are going to a tough place in their soul? They're just tired. How many of you, we don't even know you just want to give up? If you're like me, believe me, I want to give up too. It's hard. It's hard. How about asking, how's your soul doing? How are you doing as a person? Okay? The second thing is, what is God teaching you? What is he doing in your life? That's a question that's spiritual in nature, right? So it throws it all off, man. Like, you want a coffee? What is God doing in your life right now? All right? And I'm telling you, this one is going to seem different, but I'm telling you, it's going to make people feel loved and make them just aware of God's presence. How can I be praying for you? When someone asks you how they can be praying for you, it's almost like you don't know what to do. Like they said, what would you say? Like, how can I be praying for you? Right? And so when I was with Dave, I'm like, we're talking about different things. And I said, Dave. And I tempered it. I said, this is going to sound funny, bro. But what's God teaching you right now in your life? What's God doing? Is he teaching you about his grace? Is he teaching you about his patience? Is he teaching you about his sovereignty? What is he teaching you? What is he teaching you right now? And we had a great conversation. Not the typical construction type conversation. Walk in there, everyone got belts on. What are you talking about? Just God doing some stuff in our life around here. Right? It definitely smells the aroma of a spiritual conversation. But I'm telling you, you'll walk out of it and you'll feel like I have someone on the journey with me. Dave said some great things that were so helpful to me. We were both trying to work through different things of what God was teaching us. And I tell you, when I walked away from that conversation in a spiritual friendship, I felt full. You ever feel full from a friendship? See, friendships can drain you. I, I felt full. So three questions. What is God doing in your life? How's your soul doing? And how can I pray for you? How can I pray for you? What are you going through that I can take time in my life to pray for you? Because you matter, and we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're spiritual friends. And the last thing I want to ask you guys, what friendship is God calling you to cut off? 
because it's leading you away from Jesus. What friendship is God calling you to cut off because it's leading you away from Jesus and it's suffering you harm? Because the Bible says it's okay to create boundaries. We want to be friendly, but the, there comes a time where you have to cut off a friendship because you know it's detrimental for your soul and for the good of you and for the good of the other person, it's time to create a boundary. And the hope is always restoration. Like you guys see Dennis and Danny around here, I use them as an example. They were two of the group that I said when I was 19 years old, Dennis is down helping with kids ministry right now. I said, I can't. I said, I cannot walk with Jesus and hang out with you guys. I just can't do it. But God restored the relationship, and now our relationship is rooted in Christ. It's a friendship like that. So that's the hope always when you're setting a boundary, is saying, listen, I can't do this anymore because it's detrimental to my soul. It's hurting my family. It's hurting my walk with God. It's leading me away from Jesus and not towards Jesus. I love you, but I'm not going to be around you anymore. Please be obedient to the Holy Spirit and have that tough conversation. Because they're going to bring life to your soul. And the hope is that they will find Jesus and have their life restored. Amen. Because if they don't find Jesus and it's come detrimental, it's a temporary relationship anyways. Do you guys hear what? This is serious stuff right here. The only friendships that last forever are ones that are rooted in Christ Jesus. So for our friends that don't believe in Jesus, we love them, but our heart bleeds for them, and we want to pray for them, and we want to plead with them for to know Christ. And just maybe our example of saying, I need to walk with Jesus right now, will bring them to a crossroads of their soul where they make a decision to follow Jesus. Amen? So in closing, the gospel is all about Jesus extending his arms out and saying, you can be my friend. Live in the power and the glory that you are a friend of God. That is an amazing thing. You're a friend of God. His very spirit lives inside of you. He's called you into that Trinitarian fellowship. It's a wonderful thing. But if you have not put your faith in Jesus, if you have not put your faith in Christ, then today I, as an instrument of the gospel, I just want to plead with you, and I want to tell you that Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a gift of God so that no man would boast. So if God is calling to you right now to put your faith in Christ, you can pray a simple prayer like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my ways. I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and that he rose again. And I want to follow him all the days of my life. And if you truly believe that and you confess those words, the Bible says you are saved and you are a friend of God. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. You can pray that prayer privately, uh, privately before we, um, we take communion together. If you prayed that prayer today, if God did something in your heart today, would you come up to me after? And would you just let me know so I could help you with those next steps? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for making us your friends. Would you help us to end carnal friendships or to pray that they're transformed into spiritual friendships that are rooted in your son Jesus? Would you call us to repentance if we're using anyone in friendships or if we're being used in a friendship, would you help us to say no? 
to that friendship going forward. Even for some people in here, Lord, they've been caught up in unhealthy romantic relationships that they have been used. I pray that they put their foot down and they say, no, Lord Jesus. Would you give them the strength to do that? Lord, and I pray that our conversations would begin to glorify you more and more at Restoration Road, that we think about the words we're saying, that we'd be asking leading questions that lead to your son Jesus, that we'd feel the presence, his presence in our conversations, his presence in our encouragement, his presence um, just in enjoying each other and all these friendships that you've given us. Help us to really value friendship here at Restoration Road. For those of us who struggle with social anxiety, Lord, would you help us to make new friends so we can see how wonderful and how beautiful new friendships are on the other side of the cage of fear. We trust you for these things, Father. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are a friend of sinners, and that's why you are our friend. Amen.